and welcome to the Found Cause, where we found our cause and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm Michael, the man behind the machine, and to my right, your left is Sebastian, the bookkeeper. And all the way across the airwaves, it's none other than Theodore, under the PC, under the person of Christ. The person of Christ. Wow. Well, you know, I don't know why we started with epithets uh, 200 episodes ago, whatever, how long it's been, but I love them. You know, they haven't changed in a while, but uh, they're good. Today's episode is one that is going to be a Sebastian and Theodore led conversation. Uh, I will be here watching and it's a reaction so we normally do reactions every other episode if you follow us um this one's not going to be reaction to video on your screen but we are going to be talking about a video that we did watch and you can watch on your own and the reason we're not posting it is because it'd be copyright and that is <laughs> bruce almighty bruce almighty do you want to talk about the cultural impact of bruce almighty you guys have seen bruce almighty surely in the audience you've seen bruce almighty pretty popular movie with jim carrey tell me about bruce almighty Oh, it was so funny. I saw it in Spanish in Peru. I noticed the lips didn't match, you know, when what the words coming out, but it was still pretty funny. The jokes were, the puns were still the same. It's fairly old. Yep. I guess we're getting older, but it was significant to the point that it was a good comedy. Had Jennifer Aniston in it when she she's still pretty big, I suppose. And then it led morgan freeman to be constantly portrayed as god for whatever reason so there's that i don't think he constantly i think he's only in the two almighty movies um but people associate morgan freeman with god from this movie mm-hmm. and i think culturally impactful it, it grossed four times more than it spends um it's a very successful comedy and it talks about god and any movie that like portrays god is already like in super danger zone i think as far mm-hmm. as what it can imply and what it can like subtly teach people about god even though it doesn't mean to um, I think Christian films are the most at risk for those because it's well-meaning Christians that are listening and they can be totally deceived by weird pure flicks things. Um, but this one was sent to the major public. You know, not just Christians were watching it, but like everybody. Uh, and critics hated it because it had anything to do with God. So it has a lot of positive in it, frankly, surprisingly. Um, but it has some things we want to correct. Anyways, Theodore, did you have, you want to give more context to Bruce Almighty? Um, sure. So uh, just like a brief overview. Bruce is a local news reporter, wants to get an anchor position and thinks life is unfair and freaks out and gets fired and blames God. God then gives him divine power, which he in- which initially puffs him up and he takes advantage of, but it ultimately humbles him. And a popular verse that conveys one theme of this movie is 1 Peter 5, 6-7. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time and casting all your anxiety anxieties on him because he cares for you yep so basic premise there from hollywood was what if instead of being mayor for the day you were god for a week you know so some random reporter from buffalo jim carrey i guess not that random because he's you know world famous actor jim carrey he gets to be god for a week and there's only two rules the two rules are you cannot violate free will and you can't tell anybody you're god honestly we could make commentary about how like that's Arminian or whatever, but I don't even know that it is because I think it's just God's rules for Jim Carrey on earth. Yeah. Well, for that week. Right. So um, it's not necessarily saying that's the way God operates. Of course, Mm -hmm. we would say that God can violate free will and does whenever he wants to. Um, And also, of course, he can tell people he's God. He does all the time too. But those two rules, I think were pretty specific. But also maybe God is telling Bruce not to tell anybody that he's God because that would be blasphemy because then people would look at Bruce as God like a moses thing where yeah god speaking to moses that's a that's a point i just mm-hmm. i was just thinking about that. so overall um, i thought it was a very very funny movie i want i do want to say that and 
don't take don't take this too seriously but we, whenever christianity is addressed as michael pointed out we do want to talk about um what's they're getting right and what they're getting wrong so let's talk let's do it theodore you were kind of the genesis of this or you weren't kind of you were the genesis of this episode do you have uh, some takes on some theological themes from bruce almighty um let's see uh i'll just mention this to start out again so bruce's number one goal is to be a news anchor his number two goal is to be loved by grace his girlfriend he gets fired and loses not only his chance at news anchor but also his role as reporter grace almost breaks up with him and he feels like he's lost her through these situations, Bruce is humbled, and he eventually comes to ask God not to give grace back to him in some self-benefiting way, but just that God would give her someone who loves her and makes her happy. Ultimately, grace has always loved him, uh, and they get engaged, and his job is restored as local reporter, and Bruce is glad and content to excel at that position which God has gifted him. And yeah, I just got have three three other points or scene situations in the movie um, that I tie to some scripture. Do we want to start with that? Or did you want to mention something, Sebastian? I mean, Grace being the name of the girlfriend, I guess it may be obvious or not, but he lost mm -hmm. Grace and then he got Grace, right? Both the grace of the woman, but also grace from God. Um, he came to appreciate the grace of God, you might say. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Well, theory, I think it'd be great to yeah. start with your points if you want. Um, yeah, I, yeah, just at like his lowest moment, basically. So there are some scenes where, um, Grace is praying and saying like, she wants to stop loving him. Uh, she just wants to be able to forget about him so she can move on and whatnot. But then at Bruce's lowest point, he's in the hospital for getting hit by a bus. And she runs back to him saying, I've always loved you. So there's the sense in which Grace never uh, actually gave up on him. Which is an analogous yeah, so, here to God's love, right? That mm -hmm. it's that uh, even though it may appear to wax and rain, right? Like he may lift his hand away from you so that you, you see harm or whatever. Um, first of all, God is sovereign. And so it's never out of his power. Like he's never surprised when you see harm. But two, like you said, Theodore, the Grace was always like it was always yours it wasn't given taken away and then given back it was always there grace always loved him whatever the movie illusion is here <laughs> yeah so my first point is at the beginning of the movie bruce is being cynical and mocking god and made plans for getting together to mop the seventh floor of a seemingly abandoned office building where god is morgan freeman at seven o'clock on the seventh of the month. Bruce forgets about this and really never intended to remember it anyway. But later in the movie, he appears with God again and God says, right on time. Uh, and it happens to be the seventh of the month and Bruce looks at his watch, it's seven o'clock and he's speechless. So this is an allusion, I'd say, to God's sovereignty and prophecy. As people might forget about what God has said or they might even read or hear what he said, but ignore it and refuse to believe it. Regardless, it is fulfilled, and they are left silenced and speechless. And as Psalm uh, 65 
starts out. There will be silence before you, O God, and to you the vow will be performed. O you who hear prayer, to you all men come. Iniquities prevail against me. As for our transgressions, you forgive them. How blessed is the one uh, whom you choose and bring near to you to dwell in your courts. We will be satisfied with the goodness of your house, your holy temple. And what's cool there, too, is that, uh, well, in in that case, uh, Jim Carrey comes to God by his own volition, right? He's he's finally done with being God, so he goes to talk to Morgan Freeman, God in this movie, and God's like, oh, yeah, you're right on time, meaning that even though it seemed like, you know, Jim Carrey did a bunch of evil, right? He misuses his God powers, he does this evil stuff, and he comes back to God at the, at the end of this tirade. All of that was actually totally ordained, predestined by God, because it, it, it culminates at exactly the time that God means it to end, which was this, you know, seven o'clock on seventh of seven. Yeah, anyways. Um, and that's, we would call that compatibilism, meaning that, that God's will, his ultimate will for the ending of things, is compatible with men having their own wills. Like, Jim Carrey wasn't possessed and controlled by God to do the things he did. Clearly, he does a bunch of evil stuff. But that was all towards the ultimate end of God's will. And so God's will prevails even while man's will is autonomous. So we call it compatibilism. That God having predestined things is compatible with the fact that men have their own wills. Mm-hmm. Should I go into the second point? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or did you want to add anything else? Okay. So second point uh, I thought would be fun or useful. After Bruce gets endowed with power, he starts going mad since he can hear uh, a million prayers in his head. Um, he organizes them like, I, I was thinking like emails mm-hmm. on a computer. And <laughs> because he realizes it takes so long to respond to them. And after he's responded to a million, there's three million more. So he just does he just replies all saying yes to all of them um and this later in the movie it results in over 400,000 people winning the lottery which becomes about $17 per person um so obviously god cannot just reply yes to all of the prayer requests he receives this would be contradictory um, so the question is, in reality, how does God determine which prayer to answer with yes and which to answer with no? Mm-hmm. I think if there is a request that does not foil his will or a request in accordance with his will, the answer can be yes. There are times even when God says, do not pray about something uh, because he has already declared his own will on the matter, like God telling Moses to stop asking to enter the promised land since God had already told Moses that he would not. Um, And even like a greater aspect of prayer than merely being a method of requesting something is to align ourselves spiritually, audibly, thoughtfully with God. Like the Lord's Prayer, when we're all praying the same thing and everyone is praying, God's will be done. Um, And then one more point on this. God doesn't answer prayers in bulk uh, just to get them off his answering machine or delete them from his inbox. He can answer us individually. Though God is attentive toward the prayers of the righteous, and who are the righteous, those whose sins are not imputed to them, and we could talk more about that, those who have been reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit, uh, thus God is not attentive to or warm toward the wicked, i.e. those who pray to God just to test him improperly or get something from him uh, or without faith. Hmm. That's my... 
Second point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And I think anybody watching the movie realize. I mean, it's one of the kind of the lessons of the movie is that being God is hard and that a man can't be God. So when Bruce Otto accepts everybody's prayer request, it's bad. And I, isn't it how, isn't it great how God is able to handle all of our requests? Um, I think maybe it gets you thinking, like you just discussed, Theodore, on how God answers or like the lottery request, right? Like God is the one that decides who wins the lottery and only one person wins the lottery. Yet there are 400,000 people asking to win the lottery. And so how does God choose? Um, it's frustrating for the person who prayed. I, may you make me win the lottery and then they don't win the lottery. They say, God has failed me. But has God failed you? Like he had to choose somebody to win the lottery um, and his will is better than yours. So like you said, Theodore, I think we as Christians and especially non-Christian like Christian light people, associated Christians, they they get a bad taste in their mouth about prayer because it doesn't work to order God around, um, but it never is supposed to order God around, right? Like you ask God for the things you want, but it's not a it's not a order at McDonald's. It's like a request to God, and He decides whether or not it's in alignment with His will or not. And like you said, Theodore, a lot of prayer is just is talking with God, not necessarily requesting things of Him, but talking to Him so that your will aligns with His. Because uh, mm-hmm. ultimately, if you end up aligned with God, then you want what he wants and like you don't want things that are bad, right? And I, even though that's not typical human thinking, uh, it should be Christian thinking. And that is you, you want your will to be aligned with God so that you don't want anything wrong, right? And therefore, your whole will will be fulfilled because you want exactly what God is going to do. Yes, and therefore, every single one of your prayers, if you're perfectly aligned with him, will come to pass because you're asking what God wants to carry out. Right. And... I thought that was interesting. I think that is also talked about in the movie. I forget the exact quote, but people don't know what they're asking for sometimes. They don't know what they want. Right. They people don't, don't know what they want. Yeah. Yeah. And doesn't uh, the letter of James, uh, of James say that you pray, but you don't receive because you don't know how to ask God properly, I'm paraphrasing. Well, it's kind of, yeah. He says that you pray, but you doubt and you're tossed around. Like you pray, but you don't really expect to get it. Like you're really praying um resentfully like oh god give me this lottery ticket but you know that he's not going to give you the lottery ticket so you're just praying like for the sake of superstition essentially but you're not actually trusting god is going to do it and then likewise he says um some of you don't pray and you gotta it, it, you at least gotta pray if you mm-hmm. want something right so yes jamesy i wonder in like as far like uh buying a lottery ticket and praying that you have the winning ticket I wonder how many of those people who pray that they have the winning ticket previously prayed whether they should even purchase a ticket. Right. That might just be another mm-hmm. <laughs> aspect. But. Well, it's kind of like the Civil War. Right? There's a famous line, I think, from Abraham Lincoln, but from somebody in the Civil War that says we've got two sides of Christians fighting each other, each praying that God give their side victory. Um, we'll see what, how the Lord's will prevails, right? So the Lord is not beholden to the prayers of his people. He's beholden to his own will. And so, yeah, there, there are many situations where Christians are praying against each other because we don't know the will of God. Yeah. And actually, before I forget, I do want to say that the, the theme in the movie is that God is active in this fictitious world and that's taking place in the movie. So he's not just sitting in the clouds, observing, doing nothing. He is active, going around, acting through people and moving a story forward. Just like we would say Yahweh acts in real time. Mm-hmm. Amen. Keep tracking, Theodore. You had a couple more points? Nope. 
Well, yeah, just one more point. Okay. Um, so three-fourths of the way through the movie, God tells Bruce, it's a wonderful thing. Well, this is a this is probably a good thing to end on, too. Do we want to end this faster? Uh, okay, well, let's not <laughs> end this fast, then. Things. I'm going to have some bad theology from Bruce Almighty, <laughs> uh-huh. too. Did you have points out? From the, I would say the, the prayer beads, that's, you know, I I, I may feel that because maybe they're trying to communicate some sort of like religious imagery, like instead of putting a cross, maybe they didn't want to put an actual cross in the movie. So they use prayer beads to symbolize, you know, human relationship with God. Okay. But from the start of the movie, his fiance girlfriend, Grace, gives him prayer beads that she got from the preschool that she teaches, that she teaches at from one of the students. And I mean, it carries on through the movie because... Bruce is very angry, throws it into, oh, I want to say, is it a river or a lake? And by the end of the movie, not the end of the movie, when he becomes a god, he picks it up and just as they're standing, almost like, almost like it was predestined, and picks up the beads floating in the water and then just hands it back to, to Bruce. So, I don't know. Catholics and Eastern Orthodox, they typically like to use prayer beads, but I think it's in this case, it's more like a symbolism to just prayer and... Yeah, talk to God. I mean, I'd talk say we generally don't support anything that encroaches idolatry. So images, statues, reminders like that. Um, I'd say some things are allowed reminders, um, like God has the Israelites set up Ebenezer stones when they do something important, right? Big standing stones, not an image of anything. You're not tempted to worship it; it's just a reminder. So I think, in theory, we don't have any problem with prayer beads, right? It's just a reminder. You're not tempted to worship prayer beads, um, but. If you start, and I think we all agree that Catholic, Roman Catholics and, and others imbue prayer beads with more power than they actually have, you start to think that because you've used the prayer beads, therefore God hears you better, or that you need to use the prayer beads as part of how you talk to God. Um, all of that is false. The prayer bead, at most, and at very most, should just be a reminder to talk to God. It is odd. I think intrinsically prayer beads are, you say, the exact same prayer per bead mm-hmm. um, but i guess you could use it however you, you could have unique prayers like it could be this person and this person this person i'm praying for so I, I can make ways for you to use prayer beads properly but i think typically we associate them with somebody saying hail mary this many times and it's you know 12 or 17 or 75 you know however many wrote meaningless prayers you're supposed to say to earn god's favor that day which is uh not good mm-hmm. i would say again morgan freeman pretty pop culture god e from this movie and from the sequel as well i he, he has some lines especially from the sequel that come to mind but i'll keep the bruce almighty thing here um he says that uh, you should be the miracle the people are, are are too reliant on god on him to be doing good things instead of just going out and doing good things you should just if you're instead of asking for a miracle you should go be the miracle and people are constantly looking up what should i do god and they should really that's their problem they, they're looking up too much which to some extent i get the spirit is that you should not be so heavenly minded to be no earthly good right you shouldn't be waiting on god to fulfill goodness when he has charged us with sharing the gospel with being righteous being righteous judged by working hard and there are some people like christians or people who claim to be christians or whatever that don't work they sit in their butts all day they collect welfare whatever and they expect god to take care of them even though they aren't doing the work that god has put out for them so in that sense i can respect that kind of uh phrase from god and on the other hand i think that 
it's not uh it doesn't seem like a god saying because god typically has sayings that are true from any angle you look at them at and this one would not be true in that people are often not looking at God at all. Like you said, Theodore, when somebody buys a lottery ticket, they don't usually ask God, should I buy this lottery ticket? They usually say, please, God, give me the win on this lottery ticket, which um, they weren't looking up enough in that case, right? And in the same way, God can perform miracles. So people aren't the miracles, right? He performs miracles like just by his hand um, sometimes. Mm -hmm. So uh, thinking categorically, it could, you could take that whole line from God in that movie to mean that God really isn't real, right? This is just a movie. It's God. And then in reality, um, you people watching the movie should know that God doesn't actually fulfill miracles. Only you exist. So you have to fulfill the miracles, which we would refute because that's atheism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my gripe. I mean, whatever. It's a movie, you know, mm-hmm. like the rules that God gives to Jim Carrey, whatever. Um, but I think you, you do have to be careful because people don't really read the Bible, right? They, they watch Bruce Almighty. And so the kind of stuff that you portray God doing in Bruce Almighty, they create their own God in their mind, who is Morgan Freeman, and there he is doing that kind of stuff. So I think we, just, we have to be so careful. I would be remiss to have God as a character in any one of my stories or movies just because he is intrinsically, categorically hard to quantify. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I was saying that talk about how god acts there's this funny part in which he has in early in the movie he's had it with his life it's like god please give me a sign and there's like there's a car in front of him a construction truck that says stop yield it has like 20 signs flashing in front of him and it's like oh my god please i need a sign and then there's you know another sign on the, on the road that says stop <laughs> yield and you say, oh my goodness, if only I could have a sign. And then he ends up driving into a pole in that. And then that's when he gets all all upset in the road. So I thought that was funny that God does. I felt in my own life that God does give like subtle winks or like nods mm-hmm. in which direction we should go to, especially when you're, when you're asking him for something. So I, I did appreciate that, that they throw that, that in there because I think a lot of people can relate to that. Yeah. All right, Theodore, I think we're ready for your, your ender, your big banger. Wait. Oh, you have other stuff? I do. Okay. I do. Play it on us. It was, really, it was, Go for it. It was Go a for funny it. movie. Yeah. And I was going to say that overall, the role that Bruce plays as God is a caricature of how I'll, I've talked to a lot of atheists. That's how they perceive God to be some petty, um, strange man that just does random things for the sake of doing it. Whereas we would say the real God is more in line with the character of Morgan Freeman in this movie, mm-hmm. who doesn't just do strange random things. He's not petty or just uh, aroused, you know, whenever he sees something that's attractive to him, like Bruce is, who uses his God powers to enlarge the breasts of his wife when she's sleeping. So I was, I was like, what, are you, <laughs> what is the strange way to use his powers? Or like parting the Red Sea, which is just tomato soup. That's how he starts testing out his powers, walking water, making a monkey come out of someone's butt in the movie. That's also, well, he's he's just abusing his power or making fun of, of the character for Steve Carell by making him say, just ramble live on TV so that he gets fired. So that's more like, it just reminded me of how the Greek gods really are in comparison to uh, the Christian god. The Greek gods, and by their own myths, by reading their own myths, they were perceived as cruel, selfish, greedy, mean, petty, 
they were having affairs with one another. They were trying to kill, and they couldn't, but they were trying to kill and sabotage one another. The real Yahweh is not like that. Yeah. The God of the Bible, Old and New Testament, just like Christ, has the same character of seeking justice, peace, mercy, and that's going to look different. If you're unrighteous, you're going to see that seems very, very mean, but God is seeking when he carries out punishment, for example. He's not just for his own gratification, like Bruce does with his coworker that he doesn't like at all, or when he plants marijuana in someone's truck to make sure that that other crew of reporters get sabotaged, just fills the whole truck with weed so that the police arrest him and he gets to get... pounds or something. Yeah, yeah. I think it was, yeah, I think it was weed or if not opium or something, yeah. Yeah, or heroin. And then the real God is seeking peace, mercy, and righteousness and justice in this life. So I thought that was, <laughs> thought that was funny how if a human was to be God, yeah, it would be like one of those Greek myths that I've read in, yeah. in college. Well, even I was having a conversation uh, with Eric Alharab, our Eastern Orthodox commentator, and he was calling the God of Calvinism a God that is um, sovereign over all things, right? He chooses exactly what happens on earth. He was calling that kind of God capricious, which is a fancy word. I honestly had to look it up. I mean, I've heard it before, but yeah, I had to look up exactly what it means, which means uh, arbitrary, like choosing unknowingly to do things, which... Um, I think Bruce as a character is capricious for the most part as far as like that's really what capricious means is somebody who does things on a whim like he sees something and then at that point he decides he wants it like a baby in a candy store right like oh I want that candy um, I want it now and so you can't really predict what they're going to do because they're because they're capricious they're untrustworthy they are flitting whereas a sovereign god you might not understand all of his works but like you mentioned Sebastian the true God, he does whatever he wants, like the, the Bible says. He sits in the heavens and does whatever he pleases. But what pleases God are are good things. So it's not capricious because although he does things that are sometimes unexplainable to us and he does things based on his will alone, they are good things. So he is doing them for his glory and for the good of his people and for the sake of the story that he's writing. So they're not capricious like Bruce. They are they're planned out, they're methodical. They're, they're, I would say they're the opposite of capricious because capricious means you're doing it on a whim, whereas God is doing them meticulously, like he's planned these things from the beginning. With very good, he is the standard of good, so right. everything he does is good. And the last thing I would say, I promise I'll, then I'll be quiet, was that there's this interesting thing I noticed, I hadn't noticed obviously many years ago, but uh, the first time, there's this theme of a fool for Christ. I remember wondering, what the heck, a fool for Christ? Are we supposed to be fools for Christ? Or according to one of the letters of Paul? Well, in Eastern Orthodoxy, there's this tradition in which there are some, could be monks. I don't believe lay people can be corrected in that. But people devote themselves to be childlike for pretty much their whole lives and act like fools in public, like they will be very silly they will not talk they will just you know like giggle or like make grunts you know like like uh, babies heck? like babies yes like like there's like, like that weird sexual fetish where you're a baby forever oh my gosh what the <laughs> heck okay okay i don't know if it's a fetish but they do act it's like one of those my strange addictions where they like it's like a grown man who hires a babysitter have you ever seen this no okay it's one of those like like puppy play like i'm a puppy i'm a baby you know okay yeah <laughs> whatever yeah. And this is from the own sources to this famous movie, just for context too, so you think I'm making this up. Very famous movie about this icon, um, Russian icon painter, Andrei Rublev. 
it's a Soviet movie. It's like five hours long. Oh my goodness, it's so long. I had to break it up in sections. But there is a, a woman there who's a fool for Christ, and I don't think she speaks for the entirety of the movie. So she's always like making sounds, like baby noises, or cries a lot because she is acting like a fool. But anyway, back to Bruce Almighty. There's this homeless man who's always has like funny things written on his sign. They're misspelled, or he happens to be a very specific places during the movie and in the end it turns out that it's not just any homeless man it's actually morgan freeman disguised as this homeless man so in a, just like orthodox would say when these fools for christ holy fools as they call them are being silly they're doing it to make a point and the holy spirit is communicating something through them so even though they may be forcing out their strange behavior they normally do it to make a Ideally, they make it, they do it to make a point, and in the movie they show that that you know the homeless man appears at important points in his and uh, development as and Bruce's development as a character. And in the end, it's revealed that oh, it was Morgan Freeman acting through that man, or or it, it was that man all along, just disguised as a homeless person. Yeah, that's comments? a weird tangent. The fool for Christ thing that is, that is just weird. You gotta stop that right now. <laughs> that's chaotic. Waste your life. Uh, <laughs> I digress. Well, Theodore, I think we're all waiting for your magnum opus now. We got fools. We talked about parting the Red Sea. Uh, it was tomato sauce. I mean, all the iconic scenes from Bruce Almighty. All right. I ran out of time uh, finishing this up, so maybe you can help me button up. But here we go. So three-fourths of the way through the movie, God tells Bruce... It's a wonderful thing. This is after Bruce came back at like 7 o'clock to the 7th floor on the 7th of the month, and they both mopped the floor together. Um, that was their appointment and get-together. and get. The three-fourths the uh, way through the movie, God tells Bruce, it's a wonderful thing. No matter how filthy something gets, you can always clean it right up. And sure, we see this is true, like in Noah's time. <laughs> When the great flood swept away the wicked, or at the end of the time when the fire will consume evildoers and God will make all things new. But this applies um, to each of us individually as well. Um, because basically, it's the gospel. Our response to this is the gospel. We've all sinned. We can be saved by faith, by repenting, confessing our sin, and uh, yeah, believing, confessing faith in Jesus. Um, and you don't need to go through Mary to get to Jesus. You don't need to marry someone in some temple to get to some higher heaven. And you certainly can't win God's favor through some sort of karma or 70% good deeds, 30% bad. You simply need to repent and believe. Yeah. And I think so. uh, to, to mix in the potential bad theology, but to, to hammer it home with the true gospel, I think probably what the filmmakers the writers were trying to insinuate there is that everybody has good in them and therefore can be cleaned up but we we would say that uh, not everybody gets cleaned up right those those who are cleaned up are by the power of jesus right jesus's blood pays for his people which is not everyone and so there will be people who do not get cleaned up who die and are judged and they're in filthy rags and they get sent to hell because they were wicked in life and they're still wicked and so they they don't get to live in heaven whereas um we who were wicked so we were as wicked if not more wicked than that person who was just damned to hell our defense is in jesus christ not only has he paid our price so he's paid the price that we should have received and that is death and hell but also 
Um, he has transformed our spirit so that we no longer desire what is evil. So even if the flesh desires what is evil, our spirit desires what is good. Um, and therefore we've been cleaned up. So I agree with the sentiment as far as there's no sinner who's too far gone to be cleaned up. But um, I think that can sometimes be misconstrued even by Christians who you know, aren't watching Bruce Almighty to mean that essentially everybody has good in them and it's just up to them or us to see it and clean them up. Um, but it is not true. Um, and I, I think we should avoid being deceived in thinking that everybody deserves a shot um, and instead give everybody a shot anyways, even when they don't deserve it. Um, and even if it doesn't pin out that they get saved. That way it's not heartbreaking, disappointing, not answered prayer when the person that we preach to for their whole life dies unrepentant because that is the state of man. And that happens. You know, God does not save everyone who hears the gospel. God does not clean up everyone. But he does clean up us chosen few, and we should be praising God every day that he does. Mm -hmm. So we would call anybody listening, if you at home realize and understand the fact that Jesus Christ has paid for your sins, praise God. And if you haven't yet made him your Lord and Savior, pray right now and make him your Lord and Savior, because you are a rare few that God has chosen to, to bring to him. Most people hear the gospel and hate it. They ignore it. They, it's not a normally reacted to thing. So don't think that it's uh, mundane or it happens to everyone when you hear the gospel and, and believe it. And that's why we have found our cause in serving the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm Michael the Man Behind the Machine. And to my right has been... Sebastian, the bookkeeper. And all the way across the airwaves, it's been... Peter, under the PC. If you want to see the rest of our episodes, you're going to have to go to foundcause.podbean.com and download them all for your listening pleasure. We're also on Spotify and iTunes and wherever else you might find your podcast. We're also on YouTube and Facebook if you want to see our beautiful faces. Uh, apologies if we didn't show Jim Carrey. Um, probably Insta. Jim Carrey's like notoriously litigious too. And so is Hollywood. So uh, no scenes. No scenes because we want to keep our mad YouTube bucks flowing in, which is, I think, at this point, negative $1,000 or whatever. Uh, <laughs> so thanks for listening. We talk about something completely different next time. Bye.